On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Rollerblade from 1986. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. She must first be tested. It is a great task with much responsibility. But I see they are welcome to challenge. Let's see how they survive without their wheels. No, please. Forgive us our trespasses. Let us go, man. Thou just needeth more time on the jousting grounds to cleanse thy aggression. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 75. This is Brandon, and as always with me is the man super excited to stick his hand up another puppet, Cullen. I have my blade of love ready to heal. Today we are here to discuss the 1986 film Rollerblade. Cullen, flip that blade out and give us a slice on this plot. In the futuristic society, rebels fighting against a fascist state are aided by a group of roller-skating nuns called the Bod Sisters. Rollerblade is written and directed by Donald G. Jackson, the director of Hell Comes to Frogtown, by the way, and stars Suzanne Solari, Sean Mitchell, Jeff Hutchinson, Sam Mann, and Katina Garner. All-star cast. Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We hope you enjoyed a double dose of us, and then you got your week off. Our Friday the 13th episode and Nightmare Weekend, all in the same week. Both very fun ones. Colin enjoyed himself. Well, I'm just excited that uh, I got to watch a movie where I could actually see what was happening on the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you checked us out on any of our social media, uh, we did comparisons of what Colin saw. And what I saw, and it was pretty shocking. I think people were pretty surprised. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they thought maybe you were playing it up a little bit and trying to be all this, but it's like, no. no, Cullen was not exaggerating. Cullen was being dead serious. No, I, there was one picture I put up that was black, and then the other picture showed a guy like handling a wrench within a garage. Like you could put, <laughs> like that was the comparison, and I yeah. timed those good. It was, it was crazy. There, there were parts where I just saw silhouettes, and that was the entire screen. Like, like everything was a silhouette. I couldn't believe it. I was going through getting those. I was like, I could do this whole, every scene of this movie. Like, I was tempted to. Oh, yeah. I, I was so intrigued. Like, I'm a geek for film restoration, and I love seeing things get new transfers and 4K resolution and stuff like that. I love it. So, if you know, check out Why So Blue, you know that. But this is just like, wow, people, this is, own it. Because that might be what all that exists streaming-wise of a movie in the future is that. Not that we need Nightmare Weekend around to survive in the future, but damn. <laughs> After the roller skating apocalypse, all that will be left is the movie Nightmare Weekend. Not on VHS, on shitty VHS-ripped <laughs> YouTube stream. So anyways, we'll turn the lights on here for Cullen so you can see. We have an announcement which should come as no surprise now as it's like a kind of a regular thing. But we will once again be at 
Indie PopCon this year for uh, 2018. That's uh, June 8th through the 10th. So you can come on out and meet us, as far as I know, unless things change. Uh, We'll be doing a live show there, so you can come actually see us live, meet us. Please don't heckle us. Please enjoy the show and eat your slice of pizza while you listen to us. While you listen to us. Yeah, we, we, we have food there. We don't pay for it. You got to go pay for it. But we have a good, fun show. We think I think our show got better last year. We had more people, a lot of interaction. I saw pictures from people I don't know of us on Instagram. That was awesome. And it's great meeting people who come by the booth. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We'll give you details as we find them out. We will have a live show, like Cullen said, but we don't have a scheduled time yet. But we will. And we hope to see you there. You can meet uh, Hodor and Bram from Game of Thrones. So that's that's exciting. And also uh, Will Wheaton and LeVar Burton. I've been on the bridge of the Enterprise. You can talk to me about it. <laughs> I, you, you, do, you don't have to pay anything to see me other than just to get into the, you know, the uh, the convention. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And yeah, I, I, you could get, you could get your picture with Cullen, Will Wheaton and LeVar Burton for the price <laughs> of LeVar Burton and Will Wheaton. That's right. Value pick, folks. Speaking of value picks, let's talk about some value flotation devices. Remember, we're here six nights a week to put some comfort in your life and a smile on your face. Like I've said before, I know a lot of you watch us simply because you can't sleep. And you certainly know by now that I really feel that a waterbed can give you the best rest of your life. But I want to point something else out that you may not have thought about, and that's this. During this hot weather, a waterbed can cool you off. If you wake up in the middle of the night, all hot and sticky, a flotation system from LaBreeze can make you feel comfortable simply because with a thermostat, you can adjust the temperature of the bed to any setting you want. And since a lot of people prefer sleeping with an air conditioner off or the windows open, it's a really nice way to cool off. And now, let's get back to the movie. We're here with Rollerblade from 1986, a movie I'm sure you are so familiar with. Let's peer a little bit behind the scenes of Cult Cinema Cavalcade for a moment, Cullen. I would love to. I'd love to. During recordings of episodes, Cullen and I will, you know, chat about the show, the future, just random movies and stuff. And we we get into holes, searching things, finding things. I didn't know about Rollerblade, and we were just. I think after an episode, looking around, and I, and we'll spot something like, what the hell is a, a rollerblade movie? I think we were talking about skateboard movies. I'm positive that's what happened. And we wound up finding this movie, Rollerblade. With a name like Rollerblade, you expect it to be like a 90s movie where it's kids going, whoa, radical, totally extreme, you know, and crap like that. And then Brandon read the synopsis of the movie it's like well that's not that's not it at all let's uh, mark that one down for later and that's <laughs> yeah. literally like this is not one that we are revisiting because we kind of remember one of us has a passion for it we think we made a discovery we are just blind going into this thing because we read a synopsis saw a poster and put it on the list that's sometimes how deep it gets we schedule things a lot of the time a lot of our shows scheduled but sometimes we're just <laughs> feeling something and just boom and so we're here at rollerblade we have no really big background other than it's a roger corman new world picture and good yeah. luck finding any more information about it <laughs> yeah and it's from the director of hell comes to frogtown yeah i couldn't find anything else on this it would take a 
a scholar, I guess, to find out more information. I didn't. I couldn't find anything else on it. No. It, it doesn't the, help that it's called Rollerblade, so when you search for Rollerblade, you know, you, you get stuff about, like, the company or the actual Rollerblades themselves. Although, when I, you, the movie is on YouTube. I don't know if it's legal. It's never been on DVD. It's an out-of-print VHS. If you want to spend a couple, close to $100 on it, be my guest, but... Yeah, it was on YouTube, and I accidentally mistyped, and I wrote rollerblades and forgot to you know hit enter, and it came up third. My YouTube search engine knows me pretty well, I guess. <laughs> Good job, YouTube. You're doing something right. That's really it with this movie. Let's talk about what we did see. There's no bonus features. Getting to watch the movie is bonus feature on its own. And this movie doesn't F around. Like the, uh, the opening. How epic. It's the opening to this movie. Are you talking about when the screen with the mirrored image of the girl with the knife and the people behind her like sliding towards it with the rollerblade cheap ass yes. logo? Yeah. Yes. That's pretty awesome. It's fantastic. Well, she's like squatting, but she's got like one leg like stuck out to the side. And so she's holding like... her knife up to the like sky. Yeah. yeah. So she's squatted down and all of her weight is, you know, on one leg supporting her rollerblading, holding the knife. Like you said, mirror image. Yeah. And towards it, a rollerblade flying at the screen. And it's going like, I'm pretty sure it's slow-mo, but I can't tell if it's slow-mo or she's just skating slower. It's really weird. Right. But I'm sure and, but, it's slow-mo. And like, I completely forgot what the movie was about when I started watching it. Because again, I thought it was going to be about like, you know, extreme teens. And then, like, the movie started, and I saw this image, like, oh, that's right. This is completely different. So, like, <laughs> the movie just kept getting crazier and crazier because I was expecting Jack Black as a teenager, like, <laughs> bullying people or something. Other than that, like, there's just white text on black background. And during it, though, randomly, like, by the time you're ready to snooze about the credits, like, just nothing's going on, they start randomly showing these little scenes. Some guy working on something with... <laughs> I don't know. Some tool. I can't tell you what it was. Yeah, and that's not because you couldn't see. It just, it makes no, it it did make sense. I can't even, thinking back to it, think where it would connect later. Oh, no, I know what it is. It actually does connect later. Oh, it does? I don't know whether to reveal it now or not, but the the main villain has a device that he uses at the end of the movie. And, like, this is the device that we're seeing, but it's so close that we can't tell what the hell it is. We open up on the city of Lost. Angeles. Because they're so fucking edgy and clever. Epic. I mean, that's like a 90s thing to call it, like Los Angeles. <laughs> In the second dark age, some barren wasteland, and a guy's pulling a chained woman. He's got like a mask on a costume. I, whatever. And then there's a, like <laughs> another woman's like laying around in some bed in her pull up thong panties or whatever, and she's moaning. And in the background, we see a skateboard that says Skate or Die on it, a popular video game at the time. A scantily dressed nun is praying to some slime pit, and this is it's a creature laughs and has a syringe? Like, well, a creature laughs, a, a, let's just call it what it is, a puppet. A at, the, puppet at this comes... point, I didn't know it was a puppet at this point. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But, but, but a puppet does come out of... A cauldron, or I mean, I don't. Well, I mean, it's a hot tub, is what it is. Yeah, with like goo and shit. But it's a dream from the moaning thong woman on the bed, whose name is Sharon. 
Uh, some little nun enters and says, Sister Sharon has let evil disturb her rest. And she mentions Satakoy has returned to hunt them. When you heard Satakoy, did you immediately think like, wait, Santa Claus? That's because that's what I heard when they said Satakoy. I didn't think that, but you know what? You're not wrong. Yeah, but I had to back it up. I was like, no, certainly they're not fighting Santa Claus. This movie's not going to get movie. that good. Marsh- best fucking movie ever. <laughs> Marshall Goodman, who is in like a sheriff's outfit in roller skates, tells a nun in a wheelchair named Mother Speed. <laughs> Who's also wearing roller skates. Rolling roller skates. <laughs> she, she's, she's the most inline skater in this. I remember when I was a little girl when there were no dark nights or the streets were kept bright until sunrise. Fountains of light everywhere, and we skated for fun. Now, nights are black as ebon, and thou either skate or die. He says the refugees have gathered a new harvest and are protecting their boundaries. She says they must bring order out of the chaos. It is her duty that she's seen in her holy visions. Sharon escorts him out, and they have a conversation about this wife is wife and son and being the next generation and i need to mention they speak especially him more so marshall yeah. goodman yeah marshall's the he worst. speaks in nothing but some sort of fucking shakespearean scripture and but it, it's not like true oh, shakespeare it's no. just they say thy and thou a lot a lot yeah gets to be pretty obnoxious like like it wasn't enough that everyone in the movie is on roller skates the entire time, or nearly the entire time. It's like, no, no, no we got to make it weirder. Have him speak like knock off Shakespeare. And there's a lot of characters that they try to do this with too, and then they drop it. So I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if, like, at one point, everyone in the movie spoke like this. Yeah, like it. It wasn't enough that the nuns look crazy. Let, let's take a moment and talk about the nuns, Brandon. <laughs> The, the, the Bod sisters. Let's do it. <laughs> they have kind of like a gnome quality to them. And color scheme. And co- yeah, because they have red pointed hats and then like a blue torso. And they've got some kind of, I don't know, what like a, like a Triple H looking like insignia yeah. like, on their pointy hats. It, it looks like if like Smurfs were fascist, that's how they're dressed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, yes. but like... The, it is. It's like it's like a hood, and you just there's just enough room for their head to be peeking out. Mm-hmm. Like 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 who who designed these costumes and said yes? They made like that's... three of them and needed it for like five different ones. <laughs> yeah. Like, but who would, would make those and say yes? Put that in my movie. You nail on the head. You did it. <laughs> That's what I want, these murder nuns, these love murder nuns, or whatever the hell they are. That's what I want them to look like in my roller skating movie. Speaking of costumes, the guy who was pulling the girl early on with the chain continues doing so with another person in a wheelchair that's inside of some warehouse. Over the nunnery, Mother Speed tells Sharon of her childhood briefly, and then some guy is out for a walk or something. And a girl on skates wearing headphones. Her name's Hunter, but I never hear anyone call her Hunter. 
Or maybe I just thought they were talking about a hunter. That's what I thought. It wasn't until much later in the movie when I realized that she was Hunter. I just I wrote down Rollerblade because I thought that was her name because she rides around on roller skates and she uses her blades to murder people. So she slashes him. And I think it only because he's not wearing roller skates. Yeah. The, I, I, it, that seems to be the only reason that she kills him because skate or die. Skate or die. Make your choice. So she slashes him with her switchblade, and a guy with another dude with swimming goggles on says, Halt, ye sinner, and pulls a gun and shoots her as he skates away. Well, sometimes he has swimming goggles on. Sometimes he has sunglasses on. And and it switches back and forth several times throughout the scene. She pulls another knife and then slashes him. And he still slashes her to a chasm, and she knocks him out and skates away as she bitches about her Walkman's recycled batteries. Damn recycled Satikoid batteries. We are now in the kingdom of the cart-pushing, chain-pulling guy, and there's another dude, and people are just laughing maniacally. And we cut to the uh, skater assassin girl, Hunter, as she goes to some rubble and talks to a puppet <laughs> through a piece of pipe. George, last week... What, it, what is it with our show and finding weird stuff in one movie and then immediately the next episode, the same whack-ass thing is happening again? It's... And we didn't. We had no idea there was a puppet to do with anything in <laughs> yeah. this movie until I Why watch it. I go, "Oh my god, another puppet!" And we thought it was weird enough having Teddy from the pit in an episode, and then a couple later having George the puppet. Mm-hmm. And now we have this. I'm trying to think how to describe this puppet. When I saw the puppet for the first time, I thought, "Is this thing supposed to be alive, or is it supposed to be a puppet?" Because it looks. I mean, no matter what, it looks shitty, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is like Corman Central. They It, it, it like, looks like if you leave it in a car on a hot day, it would melt. Right. It's that kind of shitty puppet. Amateur masks from Tommy Jarvis in the Friday the 13th Part 4 are historical yeah. monuments compared to this. Like, and this puppet, Mask made by a child It reminds better me than this. of... The sorority girls in the slime bowl Arama, where they have this like evil demon bad guy, and it's just this awful puppet and they just fuck it we'll go with it I, I i admire that i think it makes it cheesy and fun but oh my gosh this thing a puppet would call this a puppet <sighs> <laughs> even a puppet would say that's eh, a shitty puppet mm-hmm. so hunter says she wants batteries and he tells her she has to go on a holy mission at the cord, which, fuck it, nunnery. She is to join their cosmic order and find the source of their energy. Because, question mark? Power! At the nunnery, we see some nunchuck practice and other martial arts. <laughs> For like, like, what, three seconds? Yeah. I was like, well, it's, it's a nunchuck. Real... As, as soon as you say, wait, is that a nunchuck? We're, we're done. <laughs> and then we're back to Satakoi's devils that's what they are i think but the crazy guys yeah the, yeah, the, yeah the i didn't know guys. they had anything to do with that dude i just thought they uh, were on their own it's not like uh Satikoi has any kind of like uniform everyone just kind of does whatever they need to do clothing wise and but these guys look like power ranger villains yeah yeah so imagine goldar if you will 
just having someone on a chain that's, I don't know, topless or or whatever, and then just being lecherous. Well, they rip the, their clothes off. In the middle of ripping the clothes off, we go back to the training as Mother Speed watches, and a nun reports the kidnapping of these women, which I didn't, I wasn't sure if they were nuns till we got like there. I Screw my mind. Let's talk about what the movie does tell us. She sends them out to get these guys and says, Remember, to use blows that do not injure, to only stun thy opponent. Let it be known. The cosmic order of Rollerblade is the only force on Earth where all weapons and battle techniques are converted into tools of love. Sister Sharon, take command. Sisters, prepare the holy army for combat and skate at once to our rescue. And that piece of brilliance is amazing. (laughs) Well, like, uh, uh, subdue them with a knife? Because that's all you give them. Like, like, uh, don't kill them. Make sure you cut them in the fingers. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you stab them in the meat and, and, and no organs. Like I'm not sure if you know what knives are used for, but, but it's usually it's usually meant to seriously injure someone. They all gear up and prepare the holy army for combat, and then meanwhile, back at the rape zone, things seem to be ramping up as the two nuns are forced to fight each other in their thong underwear. I didn't really understand why they had to fight each other. It didn't seem like Goldar and, I don't know, we'll call him Devil Man. I don't know why they had to fight, why they made them fight. I mean, I don't know it was for their amusement, but it didn't seem like the women were threatened. I mean, they took their clothes, you know, they ripped their clothes off. Okay, sure. Great. But they never said, like, oh, you're going to fight each other, or we're going to... No, they just took... Know. I thought they were going to, like, rape them, and then they'd put, sure. them, put them in a circle, and I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, they're... They're, they're wrestling? They're fighting? Like, yeah. I, I had to register and, it. And I want to emphasize this, folks. Keep in mind, everything we've mentioned, everyone's wearing roller skates yes. the entire time. So there's two women being forced to fight each other while Power Ranger villains watch them, and they're all wearing roller blades or roller skates. Yes. And they're just slowly rolling around each other and just... Oh my god, it's amazing. So the the rescue nuns just sort of skate around in the wind outside and they find the hideout and just sort of go in and take the naked nuns out and then there's a a, a fight happening and then one pulls her switchblade, blesses it and heals this woman that was in a grocery cart and had her throat slit. It's it's healed cuz she takes the the switchblade, blesses it and puts it against her neck and she's alive again magic exists in the future hunter comes up on some guys called the spikers they're these punks with spike mohawks and the only guys without roller skates in this they have skateboards they're beating up a kid tied to a fence she for some reason or another she confronts them and gets her hands tied up beaten up and sliced down the back she says good job and then kicks their ass yeah, she literally kicks them wearing her roller skates. Right, because her hands are tied up. And she skates over to the nunnery, and the nuns do some voodoo with the knife and heal her back. She asks to be taught the ways of the holy order. Mother Speed's hesitant about it, but Sister Sharon says she will be her teacher. And she has this monologue after Sharon leaves where I swear she says, We rape what we sow. We rape what we sow. Pretty sure, I, I bet it means reap what we sow, but it sounded like we rape what we sow. It could be because 
correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon. I don't think I am. But all of the dialogue in this movie, it's dubbed, right? Yeah, it looked like it on my end. They just forgot to bring a mic when they filmed. That's they might really have. what it looks like. They might have. Like the like the entire movie. Whatever their ADR facilities were, sucked. Because most of the movie, the lines don't exactly match the lips. And a lot of the time, their mouths are covered up to cover this fact up. This vagrant dude, they call him Waco. He rips off the gun guy from earlier's goggles. I mean, this guy plays a major part in this movie, but he's just so random. I don't random. know why. Yeah, it, it's just a drifter with a shopping cart dressed in camouflage. It's almost like they were on this budget and they kept having scenes for getting to have people and this guy was just still around and they're like, hey, is, you want to you get in this scene? Sure. And he was only supposed to be in like two, but... Yeah, I believe it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Marshall Goodman then has some sort of scripture talk with his son as he struggles to skate. Some guy with a skateboard uh, walkie-talkies him from the acid zone, discussing a body that he tells him he needs to bring in. Sharon takes Hunter to do the sacred ceremony, which they go by some synchronized skate dancers, and a dog (laughs) runs by the screen as well. It was... (laughs) Like, the dog looked like an accident, right? But he's a part of this movie, but it looked like an accident when you watch it. But there's, what, I don't know, like, six of them lined up. Some of them are dressed like the fascist Smurfs, and the others are just, like, wearing, I don't know, scantily clad clothes, like a a tube top and a bikini bottom. And they're, they're like, (laughs) like, trying to jump. With their roller skates. And they're not good at jumping with their roller skates. They're like standing in place, waving their arms around, and occasionally hopping up in the air. It Uh, is. This whole movie, you can tell. You can tell like 75% of the cast is not comfortable on roller skates. Oh, yeah. You can tell. There's a lot of hesitancy and a lot of timidity. This is no roller boogie for, for certain. Mother Speed gives Hunter the name Sister Fortune, and then they convert her knife. To a tool of love. Goodman has another moment with his son who just sucks at skating. Yeah, uh, yeah. by the way, I'm going to guess that he's going into it, that the marshal is going into his house, which is Xanadu from the movie <laughs> Xanadu. Ah! That's where the yes! guy lives. Right. Oh my gosh. Except uh, the inside, it is like a plastic wall that's made to look like metal bricks. It, but, but. <laughs> Apparently, there's only one room inside of Xanadu. That's all we ever see is this one room, which is a huge building. I mean, right. We know it's huge. We can tell it's enormous, but it's the only room we ever see them in. And we took the janitorial closet. <laughs> right. And he was talking about how, you know, the marshal was talking to his son about how important it is to skate. He's like, oh, don't go outside if you're not going to skate. And this was the point in the movie where I thought, Why? Why, why, why is it so damn important that people are skating, one, and two, how did it get this far? How did it get to the point where we would murder other people if they're not on wheels? <laughs> we run out of gas? Right. And it's like, okay, well, we need to have something where we're on wheels all the time. Like, what about bikes? Fuck bikes. Roller skates. All the time. Can I push a shopping cart? Are there wheels on it? Yeah. Then you get a shopping cart. Great. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't see anyone in a shopping cart using it like a canoe with like an oar and just pushing the ground <laughs> to the sides. The puppet thing then talks 
to these guys who they look like guys who auditioned to be extras in a 80s hair metal band music video and didn't get cast. That's most of the cast. So it's not fair. <laughs> Any one of the women in this movie could be like writhing on a Camaro. The guy, the guy with the goggles, the vagrant Waco, is going around with the shopping cart now. Chris then decides to take off his skates and learn to shoot first. That's yeah, this kid that's I don't know, ten, eight, something like that. First, I learned to shoot like Dad. Then I learned to skate like Dad. He grabs some guns and heads outside. He gets grabbed by Waco and thrown into his shopping cart. Waco walkies the hair metal guys group to meet up, and he exchanges the kid with them for some French grease. <laughs> yeah. French well, grease is it. valuable in a roller skate apocalypse world. French grease, like slang for ball bearings or something? Because yeah, I, I know like in the bag that they gave him, there were ball bearings. Ah, I don't know. If, like I, 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 I'm not from a uh, roller skating apocalyptic uh, society, so I don't know if French grease is slang or if it's an actual thing. The guys then, the group then shoots Waco as he's leaving and take what they gave him back. They take Chris, the boy, to the puppet guy, and at the nunnery, there's some ritual going on with a cauldron or. Hot tub, and they say we must cleanse each other's souls as we are truly to be sisters. And the three newbies from the Naked Bum Fights Club, uh, they get in naked and begin wiping each other's faces in the tub. I think they just yeah. needed to think. So. <laughs> yep, beat me to it. Is this scene supposed to be sexy, Brandon? Um, uh, yeah, I because I, uh, like there's like blood and bruises all over their faces and they're just like like rubbing each other you didn't think so i rubbed too off during this <laughs> well i know what to get you for your birthday <laughs> well, like the slit the slit neck girl she's one of them and still has like a bloody slit neck too <laughs> yeah and like it's you know like we said like they're just naked in this hot tub rubbing the blood off of each other and just like awkwardly fumbling their hands over their faces and I just I watched it I just thought just stop please stop this <laughs> Sharon and the new girls go outside and skate together on the jousting grounds and she she says <laughs> is that what was going on she says what could have been maybe a tagline for this movie violence is a puzzle and love is the key <sighs> Sounds like a Sedaris yeah, tagline. Yeah, but but yeah, they just started like jousting each other. I mean, not I mean, not jousting, but they're you know with their knives like fighting each other. And I thought like, what what's happening? <laughs> like this was never established. This was a thing. It's just they, they derobe and they like face off with their blades. I guess you can't fight with your nun outfit on. Gotta get them. Well, I mean that'd be a pain in the ass if you're switchblading. I think you know they're heavy. Well, well, your field of vision is really limited because there's only enough room for your face to poke out. Right. Depends what day of the week you play the nun, though. You might get the one you want, prefer the costume you prefer. But <sighs> Sign-up sheet. It's just a, a huge bureaucratic pain in the ass. <sighs> the spikers begin to near them, but Goodman spots them crossing their boundaries. It appears Sharon has won the practice as the other, as Sister Fortune, formerly Hunter, is on the ground, and they end up getting their 
gowns on to go back to the mission for healing and run into the spikers and beat them up as the marshal shows and chases them away. Sister Fortune tells Sharon, those were the guys that attacked her. Uh, Marshall captures them and threatens to take their wheels. They offer a secret about one of the sisters for their freedom. And Mother Speed brings forth the three nude newbies. Uh, she anoints them, and they move on. They literally just stand there completely naked, except for roller skates. And then it's like, all right, you're in the club. <laughs> Welcome. Fortune asks Sharon what more she must do for Mother Speed and must do for Mother Speed's loyalty as she is being held back. So she wasn't anointed. Fortune finds her Walkman and Switchblade she arrived with and has a flash of the puppet. She takes off her robes and knocks out a sister and steals some skates. An alarm sounds as Sharon finds Fortune's robes and goes, Why doth thou betray us? Fortune escapes. Sharon reports it to Mother Speed, who charges her with reclaiming the power crystal that Fortune stole because she took that when she left. Marshall then reports the abduction of his son. He says that he, he must go alone on this mission. And after he leaves, Speed sends Sharon after him. I'd like to point out that when Hunter steals the crystal, she's not wearing roller skates because it's a lot easier to do everything when you're not wearing roller skates it's like the revelation in this world like just take them off i can't <laughs> do it it's a lot easier to sneak up on someone to steal something if you're not making a sound as you're coming up behind someone sharon tries to pass over the bridge and goodman wants his deputy to stop her top radios him on the walkie-talkie and they get in an altercation and as he goes to shoot her Goodman then walkies him to let her go. She comes across the spikers and takes them out with ease. Goodman tries to talk her into just letting him take care of it, but she begs to help as he cuffs her. Chris, the little boy, is being tormented by Sadakoi at his lair as Fortune shows up. And we see Sadakoi is indeed you know, handling this puppet. He himself is a rejected road warrior concept design for Lord Humongous in like a partial... Mounty outfit coat. Oh well, yeah, it's like a, a a mask that you wear for a bitter bitter winter, but it, it looks like something out of a shitty slasher movie. Shitty slasher well, movie or a like hardcore S and M porn movie. <laughs> but like in the cold, because you know, again, he has to insulate his face because he don't want to get frostbite. Fortune goes to give him the crystal. But after his plans for the future don't include sharing his conquerings with her, she gives him a fake. Kill all the sisters, eliminate the cosmic order of Rollerblade, and then you'll share your kingdom with me. Are you totally worthless? I've heard enough talk. Give me the crystal. Do as I command. Give it to me. Okay. Here it is. Give me the crystal. I must. The crystal. Ah, the crystal is mine at last. Watch me trade. Guards, stop her! Is everyone asleep? Stop her! Chase the crystal! One dude gets in front of her, but she pulls a knife. Sadakoi announces to all his minions to get her. Sure, we can call call minions. Oh, also, I'd like to point out that we're about 50 minutes into the movie now. This is the first time we've actually seen Sadakoi. Before yeah. then, it's just the puppet doing all the work. Like I didn't I thought that the puppet was Sadakoi. Yeah, I thought he was too. And then I, it turns out nope, 
there's a dude attached to a puppet. And and the puppet it's like a puppet head on a baby doll body. Yeah. <laughs> the setup for the the puppet it's just like on the end of this guy's hand, but he's got like a towel between the back of the puppet and his hand, so it just looks like he's like a, like a waiter at a really fancy restaurant. Right, yeah. He's got this towel just draped over his arm. At the nunnery, someone watches the hugging sister moments between Sharon and Fortune, and some goons come up. Uh, some goons come upon Fortune chilling at the beach. Uh, she handles them in some kung fu with ease. One of the few scenes where there's no roller skates because they're on a beach. Yes. And it's impossible to use roller skates on a beach. I would have liked to see them try, though. Like fall down, like twist their ankles. Marshall checks with his deputy about Sharon being locked up. She prays to be set free. And meanwhile, some dog gets up on Waco. And we thought he was shot and killed earlier, but he's not. He, he comes yes. upon the colander head guy. Who is playing a harmonica through a bandana. Uh, he's asking for help to find the guys who swiddled him earlier. And Waco leaves only to run into the spikers who beat on him while circling him on their skateboards. After they leave, he walkies an ap- apology to kidnapping the boy. And somehow Sharon has escaped the, her holding area and comes upon Waco with the dog. Somehow is an accurate statement. Because I... <laughs> she prayed and then she was here. She was free w- with the dog somehow. It happened. She asked for a blessing with her blade, and he's healed to join the battle against Satakoi. She leaves, and he ends up getting beat up again. <laughs> Almost immediately. But he's good for it. He goes back to the colander head guy and tells him those were the wrong three guys, and he sends him somewhere else. So we go with old Satakoi. He is making some sort of chemical concoction using some naked girl, and he checks his periscope. <laughs> this scene is a puppet unwrapping a woman wrapped in tinfoil like a Chipotle burrito. And, and then it's Satakoi looking like, like you said, like through a periscope. But the periscope, it looks like a laundry basket with like a two by four mm-hmm. like glued on top of it with a viewfinder in the front. <laughs> yes. And it's all spray painted like a metallic color. He looks at it, and then the the puppet is like straight up molesting this woman, like sucking her nipples, and it's yeah, like oh, oh what does this part entail? Well, yeah. <laughs> like hey, do you want to see the third most disgusting thing you're gonna see all day? Here it is. I mean, I have no idea what's going on in the scene. I'm just wanting it to get on. Come on, just go on, get on, go. And this woman. I hope she was cool with this. I, I hope she's like, I don't care. Put the put the puppet on the, my like, nipple, whatever. The, I hope the puppet wrangler was her boyfriend or something. <laughs> Somewhere where there's trust. Because otherwise she's just getting molested by a puppet. In real life. And that's not funny at all. No. We see Goodman and Waco skating around at night. They cross paths and realize they have the same enemies. But Goodman... He says, this is his battle alone. Like, motherfucker, just take the help. (laughs) End it. Just end it. Your son's in danger. Wouldn't you want as much help as possible, you dumb-dumb? They end up teaming up to scout the place. And this is the point in the movie where I think we discover that the guy's name is Waco. 
or at least is the first time I noticed them calling him it. Yeah. We're I, almost I, done with this movie. Writing down Drifter anytime he showed up because there was Drifter, no Drifter, Vagrant. Reminds yeah. me of the old days. As they scope out the area, we see Fortune and Sharon separately just skating and wandering. Marshall enters the lair with his gun unholstered. We say lair, but almost... When we really haven't gone over this... It's something we've neglected. Almost every time you see someone and they're not outside, they are just like in this black void. Like there is zero set design in oh, this no. movie. They found some abandoned place with condemned buildings. That, like we're, we're going to shoot five movies here. And, yeah. and then we're going to leave after, and it's going to take us two weeks and we're going to leave. Well, yeah. When the Marshall Goodman, when he shows up to the lair, that's, that's what you see, like, like an old factory. Very soon after that, it's just inky blackness with maybe like a chair, you know, like, it's just, you can't tell where the hell anything is. It's trash. Sister Fortune runs into the Colander head guy and beats him up. By the way, Colander head guy played played by Sheriff Goodman. He's got like five different roles in this movie. He does. It's like the kind of stuff that we would do when we were in high school, except this was a movie released to, you know, like in a theater. She beats him up, and as he lays on the ground playing his harmonica, a light turns on on his visor. Uh, this all means nothing. Well, except when he's, when he's, I should say except, but did you notice that when he's playing the harmonica, th- it's not a harmonica. I, I don't know if they lost it or what, but it looks like, like just duct tape that was made to look like a flattened cylinder, oh. and they sharpied lines on it to make it look like the slits in a I harmonica. I didn't notice that. That's great. Yeah. Like the other scenes, I think that is a harmonica, but the scene where, you know, it's a close-up of the harmonica, not a harmonica. Inside the lair, Sharon and Fortune run into each other. Sharon doesn't believe that she wants to return the crystal, so she pulls her blade on her. Marshall calls the deputy, but he is knocked out on the ground. He tells him he thinks the devil may be where he is. Yeah, he, <laughs> okay. gets, he gets lassoed by the thugs from the beginning of the movie. And they threaten to turn his boy into acid stew if he doesn't stay put. Uh, Sister Fortune ends up winning the battle and tells Sharon that she must trust her and gives her the crystal. Uh, the marshal frees himself of the last wing. The guy with a crossbow aims at the girls. Waco knocks him in the back with a shopping cart, but he fires off an arrow before that happens and kills Sister Fortune. You know, the person that is, I, I guess we would call our main character, I guess... Is already dead, like, you know, 15 minutes before the movie ends. Thug guy steals the crystal as Sharon weeps. Fight the war. Don't delay. I shall find the boy. Woe that it is forbidden to heal thy sister twice. The marshal comes to her side. Uh, the thug gives Satakoy the crystal. The best-dressed thug, too. He had that hat with the checkered flag-looking thing in the shades and the mustache. He looks like a hunter with a mental condition. He's the guy with no, like, sense of anything that they said, hey, we're really cheap production here. Just uh, go in the costume room and just you know, put something together that looks post-apocalyptic and kind of uh, cool. And he came out with this. You know what he looks like? You ever been to a wedding where they have, like, a photo booth and they got a bunch of crazy costumes? That's like, him, that's yep. what. That's absolutely what it is. He went to John and Joanne's wedding, and that's the that's the outfit he picked to take a picture with. Waco this whole time is still beating the same guy who killed Fortune up up until he finally snaps the guy's neck. Sharon and Goodman climb down some pit 
like slash level of the flooring. He ends up wrestling a spiker. Waco takes out two other spikers. I mean, he's doing the heavy lifting here, that Waco guy. He's just muscle. Uh, one of the thugs is working on something when Waco's cart hits him. Uh, Waco surprise attacks the guy and makes him point his gun at and shoot himself. Goodman winds up getting surprise attacked by the mustache thug guy with style as Satakoi watches, but Goodman tosses him into some acid cauldron. Satakoi lowers the net containing Chris and drops him in the acid. Take that, little boy. That'll teach you for not knowing how to skate. And how dare you not know how to skate in the city of Los Angeles? Sharon sneaks in and puts her knife on the head of the puppet. I think she's stabbing him. I'm not sure. And demands that Chris is released. They toss. He tosses acid on Sharon, which, uh, of course, she has to strip out of all her clothes. <laughs> and, and then knife fight Satakoi naked with skates on. The puppet knocks her out. And when Satakoi turns around, Waco is there to shoot him. Waco is hit by something, though. Satakoi rises and takes the power crystal. He escapes. Well, well yeah, yeah, like Waco, like he shoots the puppet. Like that's what he, like he shoots like the puppet off of Satakoi's hand. And like at that point, you know, it was just like a bloody stump on Satakoi's hand. So does that mean that? This puppet is supposed to be like a twin that he absorbed in the womb. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that makes the most sense to me. It's like that Tales from the Crypt episode with uh, Don Rickles and Bobcat Goldthwaite, <laughs> where he, where uh, Don Rickles plays a ventriloquist that has, you know, the, you know, the twin instead of a hand. <laughs> like, that, like that's what I was honestly thinking the whole time I was watching this movie. I was like, that's where certainly they got it. Good. That's where yeah, they got like, it on Tales from the Crypt. That's like, that, like, we're not watching that. That's not what this is, right? It's just a guy that's using a puppet. Like, nope, I guess that puppet's alive. <laughs> and, and, and part of his hand. Sharon skates to Waco and thanks him again. He oogles over her and passes out as she says prayer-like things about him. He's staring right at her snatch. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 No, he's, he's, he's Waco, you yeah. know. He, he, he died as he lived, not classy. Right. <laughs> Sharon walks over to Goodman, and Chris comes over to hug his dad. He wasn't in there. <laughs> Goodman is happy that he sees his son, but it seems to me he should be, I don't know, happier, considering he he thought he just watched his son die in front of him. He was, like, digging through his pockets and found, like, a dollar. That's the amount of happiness. Like, oh, I didn't realize I had this dollar. I didn't realize my son was alive. <laughs> oh, That's the okay. level of joy that he expresses. <laughs> Sharon goes to find Satakoi. He is wandering somewhere in this warehouse, and he grabs a jug of chemicals. Sharon watches him as he goes through the tunnel and gets on some sort of lay-down rocket thing. Puppet shows up wanting to go, but gets burned up by the engine. As Satakoi is rolling around, Sharon steps up. He fires a rocket at her. She dodges and tosses a knife, and he ends up falling into an open canyon? He's, yeah, he's riding on like a rocket sled or something. Like that's the thing. Remember when I said at the beginning of the movie they were building something for the end of the movie? That's that's what oh, it was. Oh, okay, okay. Because you, you can tell from the wheels you saw at the beginning of the movie. Pretty and then well at thought the out. End of the movie. Of course, th they make no mention of it through the entire movie that he is building anything and has this grand plan to ride a rocket sled for some reason. Yeah. Well, and then his lair blows up? Well, no, like he, I'm not, 
This is the pro- one of the problems with the movie is the ending. You know, usually when a movie is is being made, there's a driving point. There's like, okay, there's an, an ending. This is the goal of the movie. This the filmmakers for this movie said, let's not do that. Let's just have a bunch of weird shit happen for a while, and we're not gonna tell you what the goal of the main bad guy is, other than he wants a gem or a crystal for some reason or another. And then, like, I guess that crystal somehow. Along with, like, the fuel powers the sled? And for some reason, he wants to blow up this, like, like mecha? Uh, I think it's called, like, uh, Mecha Company or Mecha Corp or something like that? And that's the thing that blows up. The rocket sled, like, flies across a ravine and it blows that thing up. And, okay, what was the goal? Like, I think he wanted to kill, like, the Bod sisters... But they weren't across the ravine or anything. I don't... What was your plan, Sadakoi? What was your goal other than getting the, Cause the crystal? hell. I don't... <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, the last movie we saw, I didn't know how it ended because I couldn't see the fucking movie. This... <sighs> I don't under... I don't know how it ended because it didn't make any fucking sense. Uh, then after that explosion, uh, it says... Looks like thy sacred power crystal has been destroyed. I now realize the power lies within. Sure. It was in though, it was in though... my heart the whole time. You always had the sacred power crystal. <laughs> well, the power crystals what blessed the knives so they could like, you know, heal people. Now the fuck are they going to do that? Back at the nunnery, Sharon and two nuns weep over Fortune's body and then they cremate her. And Mother Speed gives a sermon and says, Go forth now and skate the path of righteousness. And our final image is the slow-mo of the sister looking badass skating toward the camera from a distance. It's another movie where we see the beginning of the movie somewhere else in the film. Because we can't get away from that. And then uh, the credits roll. But Cullen, if you stay after the credits, you get a card that says, Watch for Rollerblade Part 2, Holy Thunder. Uh, I don't believe that uh, that's what the sequel was called. <laughs> the uh, actual sequel, yes, there was a sequel made to this movie, was Rollerblade Warriors Taken by Force. And then there were three other sequels after the first sequel. They said, no, there's not enough. We've raised too many questions. They have to be answered. We must have more of these movies. I wish one of them would be called The Return of Satakoi. Satakoi's Revenge. Or like Die, Satakoi, Die. That's what I want out of a movie <laughs> called, uh, out, of, out of the Rollerblade series franchise. Because there's five are fucking the, movies made of are, these. Or the, the Rollerblade 7 ones with this one, or are those a separate series? I believe they are part of the same storyline or universe or, or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Because I, mean, I thought I mean, those were their own thing, just from the same director. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you make a movie about post-apocalyptic rollerblading and it's made by the same director, they well, have to be part of the same series. Well, because Kevin Tenney, has a, he's, got, he's a director, horror director. He's got which blade and which board and then which trap and none of those have anything to do with these i got two which two which blade movies uh which trap and then like which 
bored. There's two of those, but I don't think he did the second one. But like, yeah, so, and none of I, those are related. So I, I was wondering if he was pulling something, like this guy is pulling something like this. I don't think the director of Hell Comes to Frog Town would do something like that. Unless he remade his movie four other times. Just going back to that rollerblading well. Well, apparently it was a popular enough to make more movies. That's a great script. How could we incorporate rollerblading into it? Uh, or skating. Takes... There are no rollerblades in this movie. We never really mentioned that, but this was two years before the rollerblade craze took off. So it's called rollerblade in terms of a, a knife blade, not inline skating. Yeah, because rollerblade, it's two words. Yes. Unlike, you know, the skates that we all use. And it's not Wesley Snipes on skates either. <laughs> Ah! Even Blade 3 said, you know what? That's too much. He's just going to walk around. Use your brain or use your ass. But bring back the crystal. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things in line and nice and culty. Our options are as follows. Stay with your family, which means... You will stay on four separate wheels, not in line. Your skates are just good, like the nuns. You want nothing to do with rollerblades. Converted, which means eh, I'll take a I'll take a peer down to the uh, the nunnery, check it out, see what's up. And drink of the Kool Aid. You are all in. If you need to go thong skating with a switchblade, you're ready to go. Stab them up like a satikoy. So, Cullen, how do you rate rollerblade? <sighs> well. It's clear that this came from the director of Hell Comes to Frogtown. It has a similar mark of quality. It's just missing Roddy Piper. That's the one thing that would improve this movie. If you if you tell me that you wouldn't want to see Roddy Piper on a pair of rollerblades in a post-apocalyptic future, you're a liar. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> I don't want to know you. <laughs> We're through. Yeah, this movie is... It's... <laughs> It's ridiculous. There's there's nothing about it that makes a damn lick of sense. How is there a power crystal? Why is this like an ancient society based around... Or a cosmic society based around roller skating? How did this happen? Your future makes no fucking sense. It, it is just next level crazy the whole way through. Like I said, the one downside is the ending makes no fucking sense. The one downside. This movie's nothing but downsides. But somehow, you know, like, um, you know, like, like Mr. Burns, where there's all these things that are wrong with him, but somehow they're in the perfect configurations that it can survive. That's what Rollerblade is. So I say that I, I drink the Kool-Aid on this one. I highly recommend it. Even if you're watching it by yourself, it is spectacular. Brandon, how do you rate Rollerblade. This is a weird one. I it was kind of a rough watch for me. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was I was tired when I watched it or something like that. It was a or maybe it was the challenge of trying to write the script for this this episode while doing it. I realize the whole time that I'm like, man, this is this is like everything you want in something trashy like this. Like what I was kind of you had mentioned to me off air that this would make a perfect you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. And you're right. And I think that's what's kind of holding me back a little bit is this would be great with riffs. It's kind of missing stuff here and there. But with riffs, this thing would be phenomenal. I don't know what it was with some of this, but it, it, it's got all these ingredients that I like. 
Maybe I was just moody. That's why I'm going to go converted on it with, you know what? If I was in a better mood, maybe it'd be Kool-Aid. But this this is like the recipe for everything. I am down for future roller skating adventures in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. I will say that. But I don't know. Something, something with this. I had to watch it in two sittings even. It just wasn't flowing for me or I wasn't flowing for it. I don't know who to blame, but I'm going to be safe and be at converted with the the possibility that I could just slap myself later on and be like, oh, yeah, this is a Kool-Aid movie. I don't know what it was, but I was just I was I was feeling it and I wasn't at the same time. It was weird. I don't know how to explain it. This absolutely looks like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode from the sci fi channel years. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say there's a lot of nudity in it, but there is enough to cause concern. Yeah. Yeah, like if they could just figure out a way to edit around that stuff, ew, slam dunk. This would be a great, it, this would be a great episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ah, ah, use your brain, I'll use your ass. <laughs> but, but bring back the crystal. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're beginning a month-long event to kick off summer, and we're calling it Trome. We remembered how much fun trauma could be last time, and we, we need to stand back at this and make right what once went wrong, catch up on our trauma. So we'll be covering the entire cinematic adventures of the Toxic Avengers next month, beginning with the original classic. And coming on to join us for all four episodes will be our good friend from the Bob and Tom show, Jessica Alsman, who's never seen any of them, so we are going to traumatize her. Hopefully you're looking forward to some Toxie and thank you for listening to the Rollies today and every time you dump our voices into your ears. We look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned to the trailer for the Toxic Avenger, the trailer that actually trails. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Yes, the muggers and the rapists didn't know what law and order was until the Toxic Avenger came to town. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. All right, everybody, drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out. The vandals and the perverts had their way with the little people of Tromaville until the Toxic Avenger ripped them apart. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. The Toxic Avenger can bend steel with his bare hands. Get it? Leap small cars in a single bound. He crushes drug pushers. Smashes hit and run drivers. And gives all criminals their just desserts. 
the Toxic Avenger. It was a hero. He's a hero. Wow. He's a fighter. <laughs> He's a lover. Well, you're beautiful. The good citizens love him. The fat and corrupt hate him. Kill that bastard for me. You gotta kill him. Yeah. Will he survive? <laughs> for incredible explosive action, you must see the Toxic Avenger. He's a different kind of hero. Avenger is coming to your town. Look out. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Mother Speed! Mother Speed! Mother Speed! The outpost reports three sisters have been taken by Satterquois devils. What now shall we do? Calm thyself, sisters. Sister Sharon, take command. Sisters, prepare the holy army for combat and skate at once to our rescue.